Hi, this is Larry H. Russell thanking you for downloading another edition of Celtics Beat, the number one podcast on iTunes dedicated to the NBA's winningest franchise. Today's show is brought to you by Casper. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price because everyone deserves a great night's sleep. Get $50 off any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash Celtics and enter promo code Celtics. Sunday, August 7th, 2016. This is Celtics Beat on CLS Radio, and I am Larry H. Russell, back after a week off, a needed week off, and I really want to thank on air Jimmy Toscano and, of course, Sherrod Blakely and Nick Gelso for piecing together episode number 168 in the last day of July this past week. Here we are now, actually, a full week into August, the official dog days of not just the NBA offseason, but the real world as well, as so many of everyone, especially here in the Northeast, They're all on their vacations, Maine, the Cape, the islands. They're away from it all. We sincerely appreciate those who continue to make us, Celtics Beat, a part of their time, wherever you may be, even if you aren't vacationing. And back on the grind tomorrow, or maybe you're grinding away right now, I'll tell you what. Those who are not grinding away, those who are recharging the battery, very needed much so. Many members of the Celtics brass, they're away too. What does that mean? Well, yes, that probably means we can officially put the capper on the Celtics offseason. Nothing of significance should happen the rest of the way here. But does that mean, is it time for us to do our offseason review show? Not quite yet, actually. Little change of plans. That is going to be left for another week, possibly next. Depends when the NBA schedule is released. Stay tuned, but it will not be this week because over on ESPN... Over on the mothership, the annual tradition of the summer forecast conducted by the rookie hype train conductor himself, Chris Forsberg, that is taking place. Many segments of the series, they've already been up, released this past week on ESPN.com. Win total predictions, season destinations, roster projections, the whole way, all the way to the back of the caboose. So Mr. Forsberg is going to be here for the duration of episode number 169 of Celtics Beat which this week is being presented by Casper, Blue Apron, and American Farmers Network.com. American Farmers Network, America's leading organic meat provider. Announcement, AFN's pasture-raised pork, just in and stocked, humanely raised pork. Not easy to get. Many pigs, we all know, jacked up on hormones, jacked up on steroids. Not those at AFN's small family farms. Taste and experience the difference at AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. And also, another brief note here before we get down to business. In two weeks on this podcast, we are going to announce the winner of three free weeks of delivered meals. Yes, free organic food, valued at over $600, supplied by our friends at Blue Apron. That means you just got a few days left to enter this contest to win three free weeks of meals delivered right to your doorstep. And here's how you do it. Very simple. Simply like Celtics Beat on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. 
Facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. We've seen a nice surge there recently. We dearly appreciate those who enter and participate in the discussion throughout the week. It helps us bring us ever so closer to the audience. And again, it's our way of smallly repaying you for listening every single week. So again, also enter by liking Celtics Beat on Facebook. Winner is going to be announced in two weeks. And of course, Blue Apron, a great supporter of this show. They're offering your first three meals free with free shipping when you sign up for a Blue Apron membership by going to blueapron.com slash Celtics Beat. Let's go right now to Mr. Chris Forsberg, who's been with us here and will be with us for, as stated, the entire show to discuss his summer forecast series. But Chris, very rarely do I ask of this of my guests. How you doing, man? <laughs> I am good, Larry. Yeah, let, let me put down my nine iron, my pitching wedge, and and uh, let me see if I can get my, my, my mind back on basketball as well. What's the low score for the summer before you do get your mind back on basketball? You know, it's funny. It came this week. I, I, I got an 86 the other day, which doesn't sound very impressive. I'm sure there's people on your uh, listening to this that are scoffing at that number. Uh, but I, I did not pick up right where I left off last season. And it's been kind of a bit of a grind uh, at the start of the uh 2016 golf season uh i am very thrilled to be back in the mid 80s this is chris forsberg of espn boston Celtics repeat reporter for espn chris has got his summer forecast series up it's been running for the past week plus you'll also hear chris on celtic stuff live very soon as he was just recently on an episode which is of course available on the clns radio mobile app just as this podcast is so let's go right to the summer forecast actually before we get really into this chris how long have you been doing this series now? It's been, what, since 2010 was the first year, I believe, 2009? Yeah, you know, I think you're right. I think so. I joined the team, like, kind of midstream in that 2010 season and was kind of on and off for, for the first year and a half, I think. But I, if I had to guess, I did it in, in 2010. There would have been enough interest coming off the finals appearance and all that. That was a big And option. really what it was, is I, I think, like, the national forecast started around the same time, and I was just looking for something to kind of fill the blog in these doldrums and luckily we have enough Celtics media around here with the with all these great blogs and uh people that that are passionate about the team and uh I I joke with them it's like calling back in favors because like I love doing all y'all podcasts but now you can help me get my golf game in shape in August because uh everybody kind of pitches in and 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 fills up some space and I don't know it's just it's really cool like it, 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 I hate to get all sentimental, but it really means the world to me that that, uh, that a lot of these guys take time out of their busy summers to to take part in it and uh, and just kind of keep the conversation going until we get to September and things get interesting again. There are so many who ha- are participating, and I've been reading all the almost almost daily pieces, of, uh, plenty from CLNS, John Duke, Justin Poulos on Celtics Stuff Live, Sam Sheehan, Jared Weiss, the Celtics Garden Report, uh, Celtics Locker Room Reporter as well. And one of the things I find very interesting now is when you started – Doing the summer forecast, it was almost like a way to really build, looked like a way for you to build relationship with the bloggers. But so much in the grand scheme of things in the media has changed over this last half decade where the alternative media and the mainstream media and terrestrial media, terrestrial radio has sort of just sort of, I mean, it's now just one, it's just the media, right? There is no really line between the blog 
and mainstream outlets. It's really sort of one. Yeah. Well, what's funny is like, especially even when I started, people would would throw that term around like it was a negative thing. They'd be like, like oh, you're bloggers. Just a blogger. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, and and I kind of like took offense to that. I was like, I don't know. My and, and especially nowadays, like you said, you've got guys working for CLNS, you got guys working for Celtics Blog and Celtics Hub who are at the game, who are doing the same reporting I'm doing. You know, it, it, the, invariably at the start of the the summer forecast series, we'll get some Twitter trolls who will be like, what What does it matter that 21 local bloggers are? Or what? Why should I trust their opinions any more than? some random guy on the street and well hey like listen some guy random guy on the street might be a super fan and might have a decent opinion but uh i do trust that the people we we bring in there there's some name value there i love that i got jay king from mass live you know who's out there grinding every day like me and, and, right, and it's fun to get hardest, these guys he's probably the hardest working guy on the celtics beat of almost of anyone and i think even the most respective members of the celtics media now of course besides yourself are on these alternative websites of course now kevin o'connor he's now moved on to more mainstream outlets but he, he was on, say, Celtics blog of mainstream outlet, Ryan Bernardoni, I mean, another one, Sam Sheen, et cetera. These are the people that are as respected with anyone in these online internet communities. But uh, one thing I find uh, kind of interesting before we actually start talking about basketball here, some seven or eight minutes, but for one thing is this is I, I actually like the whole concept of this because you have the summer outlook, which pretty much now takes place after free agency in that little mini trade season of where potential deals can get done in those second to third week of July before teams start going away on vacation. We, as we know, you know, I know, you know, Chris, many members of the Celtics brass, they're all away on vacation now. So that pretty much tells you they've kind of wrapped things up. Uh, but it's interesting to make our projections now, as opposed to when you do it right at the beginning of the season, when you have all the preseason games to work with. So I, I actually in, kind of intrigued of what me and you are going to be talking about now over the course of the next 50 minutes or so. And then when we look back on things, when we actually make our projections or real projections at the end of October, how things are going to change differently when we were only going to have just a handful of preseason games to work with. And of course, stuff like projections from stuff like, you know, ESPN and Kevin Pelton, who of course nailed the Celtics win total last year with his, with his uh, forecast. Yeah, like it'd be 538. I think we, 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 what we did is they had punch in like the, the numbers of, of how many minutes guys would play. And it came out, I think the first poll was 48. And I think we might have even climb up to 49 once we, we jiggled them around a little bit. But it's funny, like, hey, that, that they were spot on. It, it, it was, it was 48 and they probably should have been higher. Uh, it is fun to, to kind of go back. I actually, what I don't do a great job of is, is going back a year after the summer forecast and kind of looking. And seeing how how we did, right? Because you know you could kind of grade yourself. Good yourself way to get rid of the dead weight, right? Like, whoa. <laughs> we should make it like the European soccer, and like anybody who has just a really bad prediction falls into like a lower lower class pool or something like that. They're not allowed back in the summer forecast for a year. I'll give Kevin O'Connor credit. I think he's the one that jumps to mind. I want to say he nailed the forty eight win projection last year when we did the win totals. Uh, so now as I as I as I comb through and I see some people, you know, everyone was kind of in lockstep this year between 52 55 wins uh but there was somebody up at 57 and i said i was ready to like you know kind of call them out and say look look at this guy picking 57 wins but you never know and and, and maybe we'll be sitting here a year from now on the phone and 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 uh, giving him credit for for nailing the total 
You know, when I did see that, and I believe you released that this past Monday, that's obviously the, the first one you do every year is the are the win totals. Before this forecast came out, I thought I was going to be bullish because right now, and uh, of course right after the Horford signing and even the weeks after, I feel like I've had this team at around 55 wins. I thought I was very bullish with that. But then I read you, at you're at 54 wins, I believe. And mm-hmm. yeah, right mm-hmm. down the line, as you said, I think 52 or 51 was the low number, and you had someone up as high as 57 wins. It's crazy, though, right? Like, I mean, you think about it. Two year, two summers ago, they're at 25 wins. You know, we all knew they were kind of headed in the right direction and that they were going to go up. But, I mean, I didn't. I don't think we knew they'd be up, up at 48. And now, you know, everyone is confident that they're going to push 50 wins. Uh, I, you know, I sit here and marvel a little bit as uh, as uh, as I'm seeing these projections. And, you know, it's the first year they'll have expectations. Like, you know, even coming off of last year, everyone kind of said Everyone was like wondering. 45. 45 was a good number. Exactly. And you had and some people tw- like Kevin O'Connor going 48, and that was like, whoa. But everyone you talked to was pretty much 42 to 45. And I, at this time last year, or actually, yeah, third week, and I spent almost all of August and September on this podcast just complaining about the rotation, how Danny put together this just bizarre team that's not going to take a while to gel. And, of course, that's pretty much what happened. And I, I was actually probably around 39 as a low end and then 43 as sort of my high number. I watched Ooh. the preseason, and it changed a little bit. It probably went to more around 41 at the low end and 45 as my high number. But you're entirely right. I mean, there were expectations last year, but they're minimal. It was sort of like, yeah, maybe they'll be a six seed again, or, or, or excuse me, they were seven seed two years ago. But yeah, maybe they might be a six seed, maybe get 45. But we easily could have seen, I don't know, you know, another 40 and 42 year, a 41 and 41 year, something along those lines. But yeah, yeah, now you're right. If this team does not win 50 games next year, while it's not a goal that if they don't reach, if they don't get 50, it's like the end of the world, there'd be plenty of people. All the way down to the most casual fan. And I would say those inside the organization. You certainly heard Jay Crowder talk about it at the little uh, symposium, where you covered, I believe, a few weeks ago. Yes. And he was out in the western part of the state saying, "Listen, our our floor and our ceiling, which I guess is the same uh, in the same thing. Our floor yes. and ceiling is the Eastern Conference Finals." And I don't think he threw around a number, but you like to think it's got to be fifty. You got to win at least. Uh, the Celtics are my mindsetting of they need to win at least fifty games this year. I like that that teams in the, the Eastern Conference are, are taking offense to what Jay said, as as if like you know the the Raptors and Wizards have any right to to, to think that 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 they're being disregarded just because he says they they should be the number two seed and challenge the Cavaliers. Like if you're being objective and looking at the East, like besides the Cavs, it's wide open. Now, sure, if you want to say that those teams could muscle their way into the mix, that's fine. But, I mean, the Celtics should have been higher in the seedings than they were last year. They probably should have been over 50 wins. There's, they're absolutely right when, when they sit here and say, like, hey, there, there's got to be progress. And the most frustrating thing for them is that, you know, they played 10 playoff games the last two years, lost eight of them. You know, that the, there's going to be expectations that this team takes steps forward, and it's not just going to be good enough to get there anymore. So I'm, I'm interested to see how they react to that. You know, I don't think Brad Stevens is obviously going to be, be – be, uh, deterred at all by by expectations, and he'll probably embrace them and hope that it'll motivate his team. But uh, th- it's certainly different when you go from being sort of like, "Hey, look at that 37 year old coach who's just coming in and going to try and turn around this program," to, "Hey, here's a, a almost 40 coach, and now he's, he's he's proven himself. But is he really good enough to get them to the next level?" 
The playoffs will be the playoffs when they get there. I'm not still ready. Not, I don't even want to say peg this team in the Eastern Conference Finals, let alone that. I'm still a little bit worried about this team even, even winning a playoff series, largely because it's almost like that Raptors thing where Toronto fans were just sort of like, listen, i got to see them win a playoff series first before I ever feel comfortable about them winning a playoff series. But I'll, so I guess we can sort of get to that when we get to that. I'm high on the win total, 55, and... What is? Do you actually do you know the the Vegas Celtics win total off the top of your head right now? I want to say, and I'm just guessing. I remember it opened. I want to say 52, 52 and a half, right. something like that. You know, right. it, it was. It, I think at the time people sat there and said, "Oh wow, you know, look, they're pushing, they're predicting about 50 wins." But that was probably pre-Horford. So I think it's safe to say that that number is going to climb when when Vegas readjusts for for the additions they made. I've high on the win total, or at least 55, is, that's a lot of games, is because you look back to last year, and I was talking about this, I was complaining about this show after show after show after show last year, it became very redundant, the people ended up getting ticked off me, I was talking about the exact same thing. And people I was, get mad at you, Larry? Uh, um, <laughs> I don't even know that, but, uh, but I was so high on them, I'm high on them right now, is because you look back to last year. And going into the year was the fact that this team had zero rotation, none. It was just 12-plus guys. We had no idea who was going to play what role. Maybe I mean, Isaiah Thomas, we thought he was a freaking six-man off the bench right. at this time last year. But now that team has gelled, and there are there's everything is far more set this year than as opposed to last year when there was nothing. And if you remember last year, at the beginning of the year, they lost so many games at home that they absolutely should have won, and they lost it largely because of that very reason. There were a few chemists. There were things that were just, I mean, this doesn't sound like really sharp analysis, but I think it's really no other way you can put it. Things were just off, and they let games like there was a game against Atlanta where Atlanta was playing terrible at the beginning of, of December there. Atlanta was playing terrible in that game. The Celtics had a 10-point lead. They let that game go. There was a game against Dallas at home. And we're not saying now they're going to win all these games. But if you say win maybe half of those games at the beginning of the year that they should have won going into this year and you're not throwing games away at the beginning of the year, you're going to get those wins. That pushes you north of 50. And then, right, you have to think the Horford acquisition is going to do a little bit more to that. So that's why I'm as high as I am. You're at 54, so, I mean, I was reading your piece, but if you want to sort of go into a little further of your reasoning of as to why you got them at 54, which is one off my 55. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's funny to hear you say, like, about their, them not having a rotation last year. And you think about it, I think they tried the, to push the Olenek as center at the start of last season, abandoned that pretty quickly kind of settled a mirror in there, but I mean, they still didn't have their big man rotation down until they finally pulled David Lee out of there and whatever it was late. Isaiah December, January, was like, never like a set starter until December. Yeah, Remember we, we it was sort the, of like, uh, well, should we move him back to the bench or etc. We spent the whole preseason bugging Brad about whether he was a starter or a six man. And poor Isaiah spent the whole preseason, like saying like, yes, I want to be a starter, but I'm not gonna not gonna you know totally be upset if I'm a six man. I'm gonna embrace whatever they tell me to do. And like, listen, that's all taking care of itself. But that 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 certainly should promote uh, cohesiveness going into this season. That you kind of know that you can pencil in a rotation with this team. And that you know, sh- sure, the Horford adds a, 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 a little bit of an integration. But you know, they lost Solinger. There's a pretty seamless transition there. And filling Turner's role on the bench. Well, they'll figure that out with the guys they have. 
And so I, I do think that's going to help. I think that's part of the reason that you can be confident in a high number for a win total. And then uh, sort of along your lines where you say the home games, uh, that, that's an absolutely true. Like I, I, That's something I hadn't even thought of. They got they cooking just... at home the second half of the year when, once again, they had their team sort of set. Once everything sort of fall into place in mid-January, remember they had that long home game winning streak. At the beginning of the year, it felt right. like they couldn't even win. I don't want to say they couldn't win at home, but they were horrible at home at the beginning of the year for a good time. Remember, they were losses like Lakers and Nets. And I know that you can't <laughs> – now, for, certainly there is going to be a swoon at some point of the season. There's no question about it. I mean, all teams have it, even, I mean, even, the, best, even the best teams, maybe outside of Golden State or whatnot. But all teams sort of go through a little funk. Remember back to the Garnett years, those teams used to always just take a dive right after Christmas, and they would play C-plus games for about – for 2010, your first year was the entire second half of the year. But even in years where they were a little more serious in the regular regular season, 08, 09, 2011, they dipped a little bit right after Christmas. So there's going to be a swoon with this team. But I'm just talking about, like we said, just some some of those home games or some of these games where they actually played a halfway decent game. But because they were messing around and jostling around with, with you know players here and what works, what what five man wrote, uh, unit works, and, and looking at all the data. That there's going to be far less of that this year, and I like to think this is going to add a few more wins to that on itself. And also, too, one thing that I haven't brought up, and I know many of your esteemed uh, contributors to the summer forecasters have brought up, is the Celtics are a young team, so there has to be some sort of internal improvement as well from some players on the roster, you would hope. It's, it, it's going to be, and I think that's one of the most interesting portions, is, and, and that we'll probably get to this in, in later portions of the summer forecast. But, you know, can you pencil Isaiah Thomas in as another all-star? You know, it, it, these are the questions that, that linger in my mind. I'm not saying that he won't play to an all-star level. I think the, that I he's kind like of proven be, over the last— I would like to think he'd be in or out and around of what he was been the last— Exactly. Half, but, you know, here, does Jay Crowder maintain the level of play we saw? Does Avery Bradley? I mean, he's still young by, by NBA standards. Does he make a, a, a progression? There's certainly—if all guys line up and they take a step forward like they should— then that's that's super intriguing. Like that, then that's that 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 makes you even want to push that win total a little bit higher. Uh, unlike some teams, like you said, you know, you're sitting there wondering, does a veteran still have it? They're like, can they get to that level? These guys should still be pushing forward. I do think it's balanced out by, you know, I think the Evan Turner loss is a lot bigger than people are are, are sort of factoring. We're gonna get right into that. And, yeah, exactly. And and then I just wonder if uh, if this team the one the one other thing I'll say that that should give you confidence in the win total is that that like the home struggles they really struggled to win close games at the start of last season as well and it was kind of never finished that- won a game where they did not have a ten point lead until January sixteenth in Washington they could not win a close game until the second half of the year it's it, unbelievable really when you think about it and like, that goes back the, to the way they faltered yeah so like again there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic. Health is going to be paramount to everything. You know, you need to keep this core healthy. You need to keep these guys upright. You got Olenek coming in, and who knows what if he'll be ready to go for the start of the year. So you might have some moving parts at that point. Uh, but there's no reason to, to not be optimistic and, and push that win total high. One thing, too, in regards to the health of the team, I'm actually not too worried about that because we saw last year, all year there was one rotation guy dealing with an injury. You had mm-hmm. Marcus Smart at the very beginning of the year. He missed an extended portion of time. Uh, Kelly Olenek, of course, missed most of the second half of the year. Marcus Smart had another stretch, I believe, where he had yeah, two stretches. Definitely. He had two. Jay Crowder, and then, of course, Avery Bradley in the playoffs. So this team can certainly overcome one 
possibly even two guys out because then they, I mean, they ha- they can go ten deep and they have ten players who can play at at an average or an above average level and really not crush the team. So uh, we've seen the team adjust without a key component over a course of time. When they lost Jay Crowder in March, they had that stretch where they played Paul George, Kevin Durant, and DeMar DeRozan three consecutive games. That didn't work out well. But when they weren't dealing with an elite wing on another team, they were able to overcome it. Likewise, that's the case. Even that first smart injury, they sort of struggled at the very early on. They got smoked by the Hawks one night. Health is obviously the key as it is for any other team. But they are they are deep enough where they should be okay where if they're missing just one or two guys here and there, they'll be all right. But that's sort of the one thing about with this team, and, and you're talking about the turn loss, and, and we're going to go on to possibly about deficiencies of the team in a moment, is when you when you build a team like, and of course the, the model for this Celtics team, and you always hear it mentioned now, and you heard it last year, Baby Hawks, replica of the 2015 Atlanta Hawks. <laughs> is those teams really can't have deficiencies. They have to be good or better than good at almost every aspect of the game. Do you think that there are sort of deficiencies on this team? I still think that despite the positive offseason that they had, they are getting Avery Bradley back from injury, we would hope. This team still really can't shoot the ball from the outside. Yeah, and, and rebounding, right? Like, I mean, those are the two things that rebounding is a little below. And I was, I was possibly, I was rebounding. Yeah, and, and so that's, that's that's. I guess that's the biggest concern to me is that you know you get Horford and he's got he's very talented. I think the the one concern is his rebounding numbers have come down as he stretches his game more to the wing. You know, and and so you've got a lot of guys who like to shoot and who like to stay on the perimeter. Well, who's the guy that goes in there and sort of cleans up the glass and 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 gets the offense going the other way? We keep hearing about how they want to play so fast. Well, you know, they, get the ball they can first. force they can they can force all the misses they want, but someone's got to get it. And we know from experience that when when te- they allow teams to get second chances, that, that can kill uh, this team. So I would say that's that's probably the biggest deficiency I see going in. Now, you know, some, it all it also depends on how they end up lining up and. You know, we'll probably get to that. Is that was part of the summer forecast? Like, who starts next to Horford? You know, do you go and put some more rebounding in there with someone like Johnson? Do you just say whatever? And 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 if you're more worried about shooting, do you throw Olenek out there and really stretch the floor out and try and open things up for Isaiah Thomas? Um, those two, those are five part of the, the two most critical uh, aspects going into the season. Brad Stevens keeps saying it. He's hopeful that you know, if you, there was, there's two ways you get shooting in the league: you either go find it or you develop it. You know, is there enough guys on this team that can develop it? You know, Avery's still sort of like he looks he was probably their best shooter last year at times. And you look at it and he's just kind of league average by, you know, from the from the bigger picture. It's just he stood out because everyone else was so bad. You sort of figure that some of those guys are going to improve. Maybe some of the younger guys make enough strides where they kind of kick in that rotation door. Um, but you know, even Kelly is Kelly going to shoot forty percent from three point land with a with a redone shoulder? I mean, there's there's obvious reasons that they need to show that they can do that they can shoot and that they can rebound. You had one segment on who gets the final roster spots, and I think it's such a telltale sign in what the organization thinks of R.J. Hunter. I don't think it's good in the fact that he is actually on the bubble and his one skill, the primary purpose of why he was drafted, is far and away the team's biggest deficiency. Am I reading a little bit actually too much into that? 
I wouldn't. I wouldn't say you're, you, you are. I think they're they're trying to push all these guys. I think the the what you, I've really gotten the sense that you know that they kind of almost enjoy the idea that this this tr- training camp they're going to roll the ball out there. They've got what like eighteen guys on either guaranteed or partial contracts, and it's going to be like who wants a spot? You know, guys like RJ got to prove themselves. Like just like you said, if if, if the reason you drafted this guy is to is to put shooting on the floor, and that that shouldn't like take away from his overall skill. He's clearly got good basketball IQs. His passing is better than most people think. Uh, you know, he's, he's obviously got to bulk up, and I, I think the that's Brian of course Duke I post- think the biggest issue with him. If they spend all this summer feeding them donuts and then whip them in the, him in the shape and oh, well, I'm sorry, well, they got to feed them those lean meats and all that, that that you like, Larry. I'm, I'm I'm right with you. Let's let's get them on those proteins, get them to bulk up a little bit, turn that into muscle. Okay, Chris, I got to hold you right there. We have to break very briefly, everybody. We are here with Chris Forsberg of ESPN Boston. He'll be back on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio. Episode number 169 of Celtics Beat with Chris Forsberg is brought to you by Casper. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. They are revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing that savings directly to the consumer. Made right here in the U.S. of A., a Casper mattress provides long-lasting comfort and support, as I know from personal experience. I've never used a mattress this soft and this comfortable, and you can buy it easily online and completely risk-free. Because Casper understands the importance of truly trying out a mattress that in all reality you spend a third of your life on. Casper offers free delivery and painless returns within a 100-day period so you don't have to lie down in a showroom. Studies have now proven lying on a bed in a showroom has no correlation to whether it is the right bed for you. Get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin or $950 for a king-size mattress. An unbelievable deal compared to industry standards that cost thousands upon thousands. And you can save an additional $50 as one of our audience members by going to casper.com slash Celtics and entering the promo code Celtics. That's casper.com slash Celtics and promo code Celtics. Free shipping applies to the U.S. and Canada customers only. Terms and conditions apply. Today's featured guest segment is sponsored by Blue Apron. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Blue Apron achieves this by supporting a more sustainable food system, setting the highest standards for ingredients, and building a community of home chefs. As a former restaurateur, this is what I love best. Blue Apron encourages families to cook together. Their step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipes are fun for children and even the most novice of cooks. Because you're such a loyal listener of Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio, we ask you to support those who support us. Blue Apron is a huge supporter of Celtics Beat and how we get this done every single week. If you've even considered trying Blue Apron, we request that you do so by using our custom URL, blueapron.com slash Celtics Beat. There you will get three free meals and free shipping. In the month of August, you can look forward to amazing recipes like spiced pork burgers with goat cheese and cucumber corn salsa, summer vegetable and quinoa bowl with fairy tale eggplants, shishito peppers, and corn, and this one's really cool, chicken tinga tacos with summer squash and tomato salsa. Again, that's blueapron.com slash Celtics Beat. This is Tass Mellis, host of The Starters on NBA TV. This is Celtics Beat, brought to you by American Farmers Network. 
Welcome back into Celtics Beat. Larry H. Russell, CLNS Radio, Chris Forsberg, ESPN. Okay, Chris, I left this out deliberately and entirely when we let off with the win predictions, even though it's far and away the biggest reasoning as for why I think the Celtics will be as good as they will be in 2017. Because I feel this deserved its own segment on its own right. So here goes this. I think the Boston Celtics will have the number one defense in the NBA. Wow. How about you? I, I can't rule it out. I mean, they just added Al Horford to a team that flirted in the top three for most of the season. Without they should any be really muscle down low. Well, you know, and that's the one thing you always come back to. But listen, if the whole league is going to go small, if everyone's going to play warrior style, then maybe it's not going to be such a big deal. And we'll see how it impacts them. The first time they play the Hawks and they got to defend Millsap and, and Howard, we'll get a better idea of how bigger front lines affect them and stuff like that. But... I don't think it's necessarily a, a negative going into the year that they're they're going to be smaller up front. You know, Horford is still a, a great rim protector for his size. Uh, pick and get roll off the defense ground. too. Remember, two years ago, this team struggled mightily with pick and roll defense, and he's one of the he's one of the better guys in the league with that. Exactly. If you're if you if we're worrying if we if we go back to that segment about worrying about shooting and rebounding, then probably the last thing on my concern list is defense. defense. Because you just expect them to sort of pick up where they are. And like, there's no doubt in my mind, from, from the minute he got here, Brad Stevens was like, hey, guys, defensive DNA, this is how we're going to win games. This is how I've won games my entire career. This is how we're going to play. This is going to be priority number one. It's on all the signs in the locker room. I'm sure he hammers it home. Uh, I, I, I am fully confident that they will continue to be in that top three mix. I'm not ready to throw them at number one yet. But, you know, when I need a column in October and, and, and something that will, uh, you know, catch somebody's attention, maybe right. I'll make that pitch. You'll need that... to see some preseason games as well, of course, and everything. Exactly. But, but you know, we can't gauge nothing from those. I mean, we can gauge a little bit from those. But, like, defensive-wise, we probably won't be able to say if they're, if they're for sure the number one defense. I mean, if they're holding teams to 50 points in exhibitions, then, we'll, then maybe we'll talk about it. But uh, I, I agree. I think if, if you're a Celtics fan, the, the, the number one reason you should be excited about this team is that their defense is going to give them a chance on every night they go out there. And so even if the shots don't fall, which we saw last season is going oh, to be the case. In the playoffs. You know, it, it, at least you're going to give when yourself a chance. When the shots don't fall. Sometimes. I think, still think it's a little bit of a when the shots don't fall. <laughs> it's true. So like, you know, but but it, it, it's an encouraging thing that, that you can fall back on that I don't think a lot of teams have the luxury of. I think they have no weaknesses whatsoever on the defensive end of the court. Yes, last year they were top three in deep. They were they were number three in, in defensive efficiency last year. Was that was that their ranking? I I forget. They, they finished tied for fourth, I believe, but they were they were top three, top two for for first. They year. still had aspects of their defense they were not great at. Pick and roll defense, I thought, was much better last year than as opposed to what it was in 2015. Now, while there are very few players left in the league that can do this, they still struggled mightily last year. With post defense, you saw that game against a few games against Milwaukee with Greg Monroe. Uh, Utah as well took advantage of them. There was a game out there in Utah. I would like to think that's now shored up without Horford. I also would like to think that's shored up. I want to get into this a little later in the show. But I think bringing Tyler Zeller back and possibly getting him back into the rotation, giving him more regular minutes because a few years ago, two years ago, when he was playing very, very well, he was a solid post defender, and he was actually, I believe, um, Seth Partnow of Nylon Calculus had him as the 10th best rim protector in the NBA. So if you get him sort of back in the mix, and I just sort of think if you sort of throw this on what they already have, 
I believe they are going to be the number one defense in the NBA. If they're not going to be number one, they should be two or three at worst. And if you go back, look at it forever. Look at the defensive efficiency ratings of all the top. First off, all the top five defenses in the NBA, they're shoe-ins for the playoffs. Oh, yeah. And generally first means you're locked in for that 50, you know, two-plus number. So that's, that's pretty much, I would say, the backbone of my predictions. And this Celtics team, while they don't have that superstar score, I mean, I guess Isaiah Thomas at the end of the game, maybe he could be sort of what Chauncey Billups was for the 2004 to 2008 Pistons, where he was that guy for the team at the end of the games. But that was a team that was good enough to win 50-plus every single year and at least get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Now, I don't think the current NBA environment is going to allow the Celtics to have a pathway at the NBA championship. But they they certainly have a roster that could be in that Grizzlies of the early part of the decade, mm-hmm. Atlanta Hawks 2015 even, and of course the mid-2000s Pistons where, you know, you are that shoe in to that 50-plus win just based on what they're going to be able on the defensive end of the floor alone next year. So so I'm probably going to jump the gun t- twice here, but let's start with this. So so in your number one defense, who is starting alongside Horford for you? I'm not, I'm not entirely sure on that, and I was going to talk to you about that as well because I was actually – just brought his name up. I was actually going to throw Tyler Zeller at you because I, wow. I expect somewhat of a bounce-back year for him. Now the question is, remember when Tyler Zeller started next to Brandon Bass in 2015 – that was a team that in the playoffs, I believe, they were starting two guards. Or three guards, excuse me. And he had Isaiah Thomas coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. But now you got to have Isaiah Thomas. He needs a lot more room to work. People like Brandon Bass, of course, you know, they're, they're endangered species in the NBA with what they bring to the table. <laughs> but that, that's pretty much the big question. Do you Now, while Al Horford has an outside game, he technically has a three-point shot, it's not something that it's just like, you know, 40-plus percent. You always have to have a guy out on him, guarding him on the three-point line. Is it good enough? Is it enough where you would have enough spacing on the floor for Isaiah Thomas to go to work in the paint? So could you run with Tyler Zeller as a center, or would you have him more back as that situational player coming off coming off the bench, doing what he does, providing good post defense? Because I'm actually operating under an assumption that Tyler Zeller is going to revert back to 2015. Because I actually personally thought last year for him was just get it, getting off to a bad start, starting next to David Lee, and that's just not working whatsoever. 55 wins, number one defense. Tyler Zeller is going to be an all-star. Back in 2015. No, back in 2015 form. And no, get out I, of the listen, win, Chris. I, I, I completely agree that, that Zeller has it in him. And, you know, he was dealt a tough hand last year. And credit to him for dealing with that and putting in the effort. You know, one thing I don't think we wrote enough is that he was one of the first guys in there despite the fact that he wasn't playing. He, you know, he, he sometimes looked frustrated, but it never, like, permeated beyond, you know, himself and frustration that, that he probably felt like he was better than some of those guys and could be out there playing. I can't necessarily rule out your idea that he could just sort of go back to what we saw before. He's definitely got it in him. I think the one thing that always leaves me leery is he played really well with sort of that pass-first guy in Rondo, and you could run the pick-and-rolls with him. His best time in Boston has been when he's playing in the pick and roll with a guard like that who's trying to get him the ball. And I'm not saying Isaiah can't do that. 
it's just a, it's a different dynamic. I need to see more of it to, to be convinced that it would work. The more intriguing thing for me is whether they can find a second unit ball handler, whether it's Smart making a leap, whether it's Rozier embracing that, and find something that works where Tyler comes on the floor with a guard who's looking to, to beat him and on a second unit that needs maybe a little bit more offense, if they could find a role for Tyler that's more consistent. I still think it's going to be difficult because, and he just as Brad has shown, he just can't operate well when there's too many bigs. And so I think that's the only thing that left me leery when, when you see Zeller coming back. They needed him. They needed him to have that physical presence up front when they need it, and they, they, that he's just too talented to just kind of let walk, uh, even though he came really at, at no cost. You need to have someone like him there on your roster, uh, and I definitely think they need to explore it more. I just think in my mind, as I see it all coming together, it would almost, at some point this year, it would not surprise me if they went to three-guard lineups, whether it's at the start of the game or heavy right away at the six-minute mark, where Marcus Smart is in there with Isaiah and Avery, and you're sort of going small, Jay at the four, Horford at the five. Oh, I know. And you're more likely to see— yeah, like I, I just see I like a mere. I don't know. Premium on spacing, and that, and that's the big question. I know a lot of a lot of your guys brought up Olenek as an option. I know Johnson seems to be the standard issue. I'm very bearish on him. I mean, he's declining pretty fast now. He's very old. Was he? I mean, he's 30, but he's a very old 30. He's dealt with so many injuries, plantar fasciitis, ankle issues throughout his career. I'm very bearish on him. I think he's going this year. He's going to revert more to. Basically, being just a locker room guy, and then maybe he kind of comes into the bench, into the games here and there, to play a little pick and roll defense and grab some rebounds. I think the question is: Do you say, okay, the team is good enough defensively, that now needs more spacing, and he just run with Olenek at the center? Ah, uh, I see, and I, I, I'm I'm a card carrying member of that club. I just think it, it makes so much sense in terms of just like really spreading things out. You hear Horford, he's excited to play with Olenek. You know, we were talking to Kelly the other day at the State House as he's there to for the Celtics Heroes Among Us, the this sort of year end banquet they do. And Kelly's excited that Horford's excited to play with him. I mean he's a fourth year guy who's like you know, struggle to stay healthy and stay on the floor, and you get a four-time All-Star saying, "Hey, part of the reason I'm excited about coming here is because they got guys like Kelly uh, who can space things out and make things easier." I just think that's a really intriguing possibility for me, and I like the idea of uh, Amir coming off the bench because then you maintain a rim protector when uh, Horford goes to the bench and, and sort of limit his minutes. Even this little, uh, this little Renaissance Tyler Zeller I'm already banking on here. <laughs> Man, look at you, the Tyler Zeller fan. Uh, like I said I'm I lo- very bearish though on Amir. Bullish on Zeller, though, man. Wow, you're very bullish it. on Zeller. I think he'll get back to where he was in 2015. It, it, is very... it, it, the, the bigger picture to me is that we're encouraged that, that that all their bigs can contribute. And you know, hey, if we rewound the tape, we'd probably be sitting here saying, "Listen, man, David Lee was a 20, to 10, you know, 2010 guy two years ago, and maybe he can find it." Oh, and I so did maybe... not like David Lee. I did not like that deal <laughs> last year. People were all over me on David Lee. That's that was my ultimate. I told you show from 2016 was David Lee. <laughs> In fact, I, I never even we, talked about him on this show until, like, October. They were saying, hey, the seller's traded for David Lee. He's going to come back. I go, he's going to suck. Mark my words. And <laughs> very much he did. But now we'll go sort of into uh, what about bench scoring, though? Last year, I thought, especially when they were heading towards the All-Star break, their bench was playing awesome, like that game yeah. against the Clippers and everything. And Evan Turner and Kelly Olenek had a really good rapport together. And you mentioned now about Tyler Zeller. He was great with pick and rolls with guys like Smart. Maybe Rogier could also be that. They're going to need an internal replay. I know they signed Gerald Green. He is, like, I think insurance of insurance of insurance. Wow. Um, but they're going to need 
someone internally to step up. Of course, the pressure is naturally on Smart because he's the sixth pick in the draft, because he has so many natural skills. And he said, by God, if you just work on a few things in the offseason, you could come back and you could be an exceptional player. I mean, the whole point of the whole tanking of the 2014 season, even though there was none of that, but in the minds of fans of lose, lose, sure. lose, lose, lose every single game was to come away with an all-star or borderline all-star type player. And now it would be Mike Marcus Smart. Smart will almost assuredly come off. He's definitely coming off the bench to start the year. Could he be sort of that internal replacement for Turner? And not just a replacement for Turner, but just that whole unit developing enough chemistry together where they're not going to miss as much or he possibly – beating other teams' second units when you have those key little moments coming up in the early parts of the second quarter. Yeah, like he's going to have to. And listen, I'm, I am. Uh, if you want to talk about the one guy that I am, that I am clearly, we haven't uh, talked uh, about him all part of this episode. And we, I mean, we Marcus is it, it, it's there, and even if he never develops into a even just much above a league average shooter, his defensive skills and his just natural instincts on the floor are going to make him an impact player. But if he does get that offense going, if he does learn how to be a, a, a pick-and-roll guard, if he learns how to, to run the point for that second unit, if he can play off the ball and consistently make that three-point shot like we've seen in stretches, like this guy's ceiling is way, way up there. Uh, I just feel like the Celtics have put him in a position now, and not that they, they wanted it this way. Like, listen, Evan Turner would have been great to get back. You weren't going to pay him $70 million like uh, Portland ended up doing. So now your hand, hand has been forced. You need someone to step up and fill those minutes, and you need someone to fill what Evan did. And now I'm not saying that you're going to have Marcus go out there and be, you know, pull up jumpers from the free throw line and, and all that. But if he can handle more of the re- responsibilities, uh, bringing the ball up, getting the offense started, and sort of be that glue guy for the second unit, I do think there, that, like we said earlier, there's a chance that he's going to see those minutes skyrocket really quick. He's going to get a chance to really show what he can do. Uh, it would not surprise me to see a lot of those three-guard lineups. And I don't know how exactly that's going to work, but um, you know, I, I do think that, that Marcus is sort of the guy that has to step up um, and, and, and take it. I know people are really excited about Rozier after Summer League and all that. Yeah, he man, played very well. I'm intrigued. I think intrigued is probably the better word you use with Rozier. For sure. And also, too, and also he played very well at the end of last year. I think that's more so why in terms of Rozier being intrigued. But I don't – See, Rogier and Smart, I, I don't want to say they're very similar in what they can do, but they are somewhat vaguely redundant, and I think it's going to be a case of just you know who's better and who fits with other players in the second unit. Better will, of course, get the more minutes. Of course, that's certainly the case of what it will be in the NBA. But I think the second unit, now that you don't have a guy like Turner who could score on his own, is going to be more about a chemistry thing and what five-man – not even five-man, but what certain units could right. do together and how they gel together and to the point where they could provide so much energy Energy. Some other we, guys. We, we well. haven't brought up Jurebko. We yet. haven't brought Jurebko him was up. A, and... Was a was a starter in the postseason. I thought he was played really well. Uh, they, he's a guy who you know you could flirt with the idea of do you throw him uh, in into that in, into the early rotation, give him more minutes. You know, it's easy to forget the start of last year. They really were low on his minutes. I want to say he was playing maybe five ten minutes per game at the start of the year because they just didn't know how to do it and they were still fig- figuring out that bigs mass now is certainly like if he can build off what he's done last year if his confidence can stay where it is like that's really intriguing for me to see him come off the bench early play the four you know get Jalen Brown some minutes at the three make sure he develops like I mean if I'm Danny Ainge and I'm the Celtics front office I'm just reminding Brad gently like hey a lot of expectations you got you got to you definitely got to 
look at, at the prize and the playoffs and everything like that. But Jalen Browns needs minutes, and he needs time on the floor. They've got to get him integrated. I'd like to see him get some, some quality time with that second unit, let him learn on the fly, even if it's not exactly pretty at times, and let guys like Smart and Jarebko carry you and, and see if they can sort of be that, that, that cohesive uh, duo. Maybe they're the Nate Robinson, a more consistent Nate Robinson and, and Glenn uh, Davis. Real quick, starting five, Thomas Bradley Crowder, Horford, fill in the blank, and then – Give me your first three or four off the bench. So I would say that at the start of the year, it's probably going to be Johnson. Because the way Olenek's talking is that he won't be reevaluated until mid-October. I just can't okay. see a situation where they throw him right in. But I think if we're talking in, say, January, that it is Olenek. And then the first guys off the bench, is I think Smart comes in first. I can see Jarebko coming soon after that and, and potentially staying small. Uh, I would say... Uh, from there, it gets a little bit more difficult. Like Amir will, will certainly be early once Olenek, if, if Olenek takes that starting spot. Uh, and then I think it's going to be sort of it's going to be a feeling out process. If Gerald Green comes in and has a good camp and makes this roster and, and, and shows he can do something, uh, there's going to be room at the guard spot for him to get minutes. Uh, if not, maybe Rozier's minutes get a bump there. Uh, front court, same deal. Like if Tyler Zeller can find that that what if I had two years ago, then maybe he gets those minutes. If not, maybe you force the issue and throw Mickey in there. I know he didn't look great at summer league, but they were really high on him last year. I think he's sort of somehow he went from having a hype train to, to sort of flying below the radar uh, after summer league. So maybe you can work him back in if he has a good exhibition slate. Uh, but I would like to see those young guys get a little bit of an opportunity. I know that's tough for a team with high aspirations, but I think at some point you've got to bring these guys along and develop them. So if it comes at the expense of playing someone like Mickey over Zeller, then I, I, would, I would consider it. How about this? You know, we haven't been talking about this one iota, not just on this show, but almost everywhere in the realms of the World Wide Web. Earth to the basketball community. The schedule comes out next week. I haven't heard nothing about it. So how about we'll do this for a little fun. Sure. Schedule predictions. Who do the Celtics play on opening night, and who do they play on Christmas Day? So I'll say opening night will, let's say, what makes the most sense? The Toronto. Hawks? Toronto's always here at the beginning of the year. Uh, They're always here at the beginning of the year. Always. We, uh, yeah, but like, and, and I remember the couple years ago, we the, the Celtics opened up up there. Um, I can't say that that that's not a possibility. I just hate the idea that you play the Atlantic Division I know. throughout Toronto, the preseason, and then you play them like five times in, in October. It just, I mean, it's so boring. Um, I would like to see something like it, so that would make sense in terms of not only is it a, a familiar early October or late October matchup, early November matchup. But you do have the Sollinger angle. You do have the fact that those are the two teams that should be vying for, for sort of the, the right to challenge the Cavs. Uh, I, would, I would be more interested if they put the, the, the Hawks out there because then you get a rematch of the playoffs and you get the Horford angle. That would be more intriguing to me as a fan. I think the two possibilities for Christmas Day are, once again, possibly up in Toronto, 1230 <sighs> tip on Christmas Day. And then maybe another angle would be possibly maybe 8 o'clock down in Atlanta for Al Horford's return to Atlanta. Uh, well, I, either way, my kids are going to be mad. But if I have to go to Canada for Christmas, then I, I – like apologies to my neighbors to the north. Love, love, your, love your country. I just – I would uh, I would just if, – if, if the Celtics are going to be on Christmas, I hope it's some sort of a marquee matchup. Why not just make it Celtics-Lakers and just, you know – Celtics-Lakers at 1030 at night? On yeah, Christmas? Why not? Like, you wouldn't watch that? 
No, are you? I haven't watched the ten thirty basketball game in six years. Oh, I don't. Live? I think no. you were, and I don't know if it would be end up there. I think it would be. I guess you couldn't if put it. If it was in here at twelve thirty, that'd be beautiful. Oh yeah. Like, listen, how about that? I'll settle for that. If they oh, if they would twelve thirty tip it, in Boston on Christmas Day. Oh my I'd, gosh, wouldn't that be awesome? Like, haven't we learned? I golfed on Christmas yeah, Eve last it was, year. It was seventy degrees last year on Christmas. People need to realize that it's not like it, it's very rare that we get snow up here that early. Bring a game up here. It's just as much risk as when they played in Brooklyn a couple of years ago. Give the Celtics a, a home Miserable game on Christmas. Game. <laughs> they won by 20. It was one of the worst basketball games ever. Oh, remember. my God. Let's not even talk about it. I but, but, but I would love to see a, uh, a Celtics home game on Christmas. I don't know who the obvious opponent is at that point coming to Boston. Um, but, you know, the Lakers thing isn't a bad suggestion, right? Like, I know they don't deserve to be on national TV yet. They're probably not at that they point. They have a big enough fan base that we're always on Christmas regardless. Yeah, of so why not just stink. throw them into that situation if there's no obvious selfish comparison? Like, you know, the, the Cavs and Golden State and those guys are going to play. All, all the really good teams are going to they're going to play each other. Like, hey, give the Celtics, give the Celtics a nice little, uh, a little gift on Christmas. That would be great. <laughs> Chris Forsberg of ESPN Boston. Let's pause briefly for a brief programming note. Hi, I'm Sullivan James Sullivan, and I'm the host of the Scorching Shamrocks, the greatest Celtics podcast on earth. You ever get sick of those nerds coming up to you trying to do stats and other numbers in your sports? Well, guess what, chummy? Here on the Scorching Shamrocks, the takes, they are hot, and the nerds, they are not. Join me and my co-host, Sam Sheehan, as I demolish, destroy, and otherwise rake over the coals, the stat nerd. You can find Scorching Shamrocks on Stitcher or iTunes by searching Scorching Shamrocks, or download the CLNS app in the App Store. That's Scorching Shamrocks, here on CLNS Radio. (laughs) That's Sullivan James Sullivan of CLNS Radio. You know CLNS Radio with Nick Gelso. They're giving Sully... The George Steinbrenner, Daryl Strawberry treatment, you know, giving the guy a second, or, you know, like a 38th, 39th, 40th chance in life, the same way Georgie <laughs> gave Daryl and Doc all those chances. But, but it's good. You know, he's getting his life back on track, hoping that podcasting, addressing an audience of millions of Celtics fans, that is going to provide that avenue for smooth things over for, for a guy, for him, for the rest of his life. What do you think of Sully, Chris? I, I, you know what? I, I'm going to go the other half of that equation. I love Sam. I like you talk about me taking all these the, this summer forecast and trying to get the best minds out there. I have rated Reddit between him and Danger Cart Ryan. Uh, it, these guys are great. I do love Sam's reactions to all of uh, Sully's hot takes. So uh, it, it's definitely worth a listen. I think those guys are looking for an AMA from you. You know. Ooh, I I think we should both get on that. Maybe for the start of the season? Uh, not me, not me. But uh, I actually – I wanted to offer Sully if he's listening. Maybe, you know, just a little advice. To, I think that he should straighten out the eating habits. You know, cut the booze, cut the smokes, get more protein, healthy can protein. You send, can you send him some America's Farmers? Uh, American Farmers, you know. You know, when you eat grass-fed meat, as you know, there's a far more stable ratio of omega-3 to omega-6 fats. That, and, of course, that is going to reduce the inflammation in the body. And also, grass-fed meat, you know, far more vitamins and minerals than conventional meat does. So the hormones get revved up a bit. You know, your mood is better. You get increased sex drive. Are you listening, Sully? So if Sully was consuming more organic grass-fed beef, I'm not sure he'd be as upset over that Evan Turner departure leaving the Celtics as he's been recently. I can, will it help my golf game. You've had you so you you've you've eaten a, a nice eight ounce. Did the bicep grow an inch? Did the bicep grow an inch? 
It's when you were eating. It. <laughs> he went, it, like I'm looking like Hulk. I'm looking like the Hulkster right now, and I'm not talking like NWO Hulkster. I'm talking like Ooh, 1989, where he was just well, he wasn't really shredded. Remember, he had a lot of body fat on him. Yeah, like, yeah, he, that's he true. Big, like, you go back. It, it's funny, I, I, not to, to totally go off topic, but like you go back and watch those those WWE Network those old ones and and what your mind remembers versus what you see it's like oh my god none of those guys were in shape it's like demolition <laughs> they were <laughs> demolishing here okay. every night oh, that, that, going okay. i am gonna get things back on track that's the scorching sam rocks podcast new episode <laughs> released this past wednesday also more releases on the app coach nick's b-ball breakdown podcast is now being powered by this very network dropped a couple of shows this Work week, one being with Travis Wu as they went over the fundamentals of landing to help prevent ankle and lower back injuries. Chris, please pass that along to Marcus Smart and Avery Bradley. He'll do that. <laughs> I will, I'll deliver the message. Also, don't forget the Bobcast with Celtics Blogs, Bobby Manning, and of course, lastly, but certainly not the least, Celtics Stuff Live. New episode tomorrow at around 9 a.m. Eastern Time, right here on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio video coverage for the Boston Celtics. Download the CLNS Radio mobile app now. Chris, thanks for coming in. I thought it would be a while before we'd catch up. was going to do the off-season review show this week, but the summer forecast certainly changed that up. It allowed us to push that back for another week, actually possibly even two, especially if and when the schedule does drop next week. But uh, this is good. It stretches out the content. It looks like we may have to make this a yearly tradition. It's like, you know what, the NBA is going 12, 12 months out of the year now. we got to keep that going as well. And, uh like you said, I, I look forward to like when we do this again before the start of the season and how funny it will be that nothing will have really happen and yet all of our expectations oh, will, will somehow have changed. And we'll probably have them up at like 62 wins and, and, and that'll be fun to, to banter about. It's, it's crazy though how there's just new and original stuff to talk about this time of year because like, like I said earlier, I remember this time last year, I was like a wind-up doll when I was just complaining <laughs> for weeks on end about the rotation. So this is good, but just about ready to wrap this show up. Once again, just a few reminders, two weeks left in the Blue Apron contest three free weeks of meals $650 worth of food enter by simply liking Celtics Beat on Facebook facebook.com slash Celtics Beat we do these contests to really give back to our audience in some capacity obviously there's just so much content out there so many avenues for people to get their information we understand that so it means just so much for us that for all of us to give you know you guys who continue to give us an hour of our, your time every single week it's a also a small way to support the show let your friends know about Celtics Beat in some way and also a big way to support this show i reiterate it here because it really matters ratings and reviews on iTunes i thank all those who've taken the few moments of their time to do this. It's very important for us to get feedback, even critique. I'm not like those standard podcasters. Give us a five-star review. I do want to know what helps us get better. If you want to give a five, you know, hey, if you, by all means, give us a five-star review. <laughs> Wait so, a second. You can't say let's not be like those other podcasts, but yeah, go ahead and leave us a five-star review. <laughs> if you're going to leave a five-star review, work, uh, work Let the them work know work. what you think of Chris Forsberg. <laughs> How about that? The pressure's leave now that, on you. Leave that now in, the pressure's in, on you. In the body of your comment, tell me what you think of my appearances on the show. But yes, either way, though, if folks can just take 20 to 30 seconds of their time, please rate and review, write a brief review for the show on iTunes and Stitcher. That way, look at it. on for episode number 170 because episode number 169, over. We're almost over. 
Not until the fat lady sings, right, which right now is going to be now. Suit of the credit reads, muted for this show. Was provided by Will Rock and Steph Legrato. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is Celtics underscore beat. And you can like Celtics beat on CLNS Radio on Facebook to keep up with the show at facebook.com slash Celtics beat. And also get into that Blue Apron contest. Also Google Plus Celtics beat on CLNS. And extending my gratitude to today's guest slash co-host, High Five, Chris Forsberg. High Five across the Skype. Do you title your shows? Because I feel like this should be uh, Celtics Beat episode 169, uh, the one where Larry, right Larry was happy. Your name is going to appear right away. Don't worry about it. But today's show. Oh, no, no, no. I don't want my name. I want the one with the one where Larry was optimistic. It, it is. I've been, I've been a very content individual for quite some time right now. I think the last time we did the show... <laughs> That, that was the same case. A lot of vitamin D, a lot of vitamin D, and a lot of protein from American Farmers Network. Of course, today's show was brought to you by American Farmers Network, Casper and Blue Apron. And, of course, the audience, thank you for making this the number one podcast on the web dedicated to the NBA's winningest franchise. For our staff writer, Eddie Santiago, the founder of the network, Nick Gelso, myself, the executive producer and host of Celtic Meet, I'm Larry H. Russell. Chris, get out of the wind. Everybody else, we'll see you next Sunday for another edition of Celtics Beat, powered by CLNS Radio.